Welcome to BrandBots, an AI marketing podcast designed to teach you practical strategies for implementing AI into your marketing business. I'm your host, Nick Taylor. Rory Flynn is a mid-journey power user who makes some of the most explosive AI art that you're likely to find on the internet. His journey spans from head of client acquisition at Commerce 12 to co-running his AI consultancy, Systematic. Rory has mastered mid-journey to an intensely detailed degree and has shared his findings in a series of downloadable guides that teach you everything from getting started with mid-journey to really dialing in the visuals to be super specific and visually striking. If you really want to master mid-journey, Rory's Pro Pack is fantastic and is worth way more than it costs. You can find a link to Rory's guides in the show notes below and I highly recommend you check them out. In this episode, Rory shares his knowledge on techniques and advanced prompting that really let you get the most out of mid-journey. He also gets into why artists and designers are more crucial for marketing teams now more than ever, and he shares his Anthony Bourdain-inspired AI life hack for travel and restaurants. Please enjoy. This episode starts now. Rory Flynn in the house. How's it going, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Obviously, there's been a huge update with MidJourney where you can create your own style, which I think is going to be revolutionary. And you're pretty early adopter with MidJourney. What can you tell us about this new functionality? It's cool, man. Like, it's something that was needed. The thing I love about MidJourney, number one, they they do everything in, in like, the cloak of darkness. Like, they really don't announce anything. You just got to check their Twitter. Oh, we released something. Great. Cool. Then it just, they send the masses to go do it. And then we do their marketing for them, one way or the other. Right. It's, it's been really cool because I'm, I'm super into it because I, get, I have a problem with mid-journey. I'll be totally honest. Like, okay. It was getting stale. Everything that I was putting in was coming out the exact same. And I I'm, I'm, would consider myself a fairly avid user mm-hmm. of it. But everything was coming out so symmetrical, so predictable. Like right. I, I could, and I'm sure if there's anyone else on here that's listening that's utilized the tool and you've done a lot of generations, you know that certain things, they, they start to look the same. Yeah. So this to me was massive because it you, gave you the opportunity to go in there and then basically stylize how you like it and what you're looking for. So it doesn't, so it can break that default, which yeah. that default is to me a major issue because everything will start to blend the same. Even if you have a really good creative eye and even if you have a really good prompt structure, prompt formula, whatever you want to call it, a lot of stuff still ends up looking the same. Mm-hmm. So this one for me, was massive. It's cool. I, I can only see really good things coming from this. I think it opens up a whole new wave. Yeah. It's been cool because they build it as something that was going to be great for beginners mm-hmm. and getting new people adopted on the platform because they could find their style without having to go through and essentially learn all of these crazy other elements that we've been putting the time into to figure it out. It's a good thing, right? That's a good thing for new yeah. users. But also it's a little bit complicated. The whole process. It takes some setup, doesn't it? A little bit. It's just not as user-friendly as I think they want it to be. Yeah. Because if it's dialed in the right way, it's a major game changer for any new user Mm -hmm. coming in. Because you can do essentially whatever you want. You could build your own style right off the bat. I had to go through, I don't know, six months of figuring that out to get to this point. But regardless, I think it's great for the people that have been using this tool for a long time. Now we can really push the envelope and we can really start to create unique looking stuff, especially if you're going to do it for, let's talk about potentially a brand or something when you're doing some work for a client, whatever. Yeah. Now you can really match their aesthetic. You can 
do there's certain processes that you can take to make images in their aesthetic. You can have branded stock photography libraries, things like that. So now it's just way more opportunist than it, than it was for the, the power users, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really good update by them, and they listened. Right. They listened to their audience. They were listening. They always do that, which mm-hmm. I, I will say. Every time there's some sort of issue, you, the next update is like, we solved the problem. Wow. So I love when they do that. The upscale feature that came out a couple weeks ago. I've been enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. Cool. You don't have to go to an, you don't have to go to a third-party site to go get your your AI upscaled by another AI tool. Mm-hmm. It's just they just are trying to condense everything into one experience, which I think is just very smart from yeah. a uh, from a product standpoint. Yeah. And how did you get to the point where you've dug so deep into Midjourney? Because Midjourney is basically your specialty right yeah. now, as far as AI. Yeah. yeah. So how did you? What was your kind of aha moment with Midjourney that led you down this path? Of- it was a late night Twitter binge, of course. Okay. That's where it started because I saw I started seeing some really crazy stuff just popping up on my Twitter feed. I'm like, where is this getting made? Then I saw like a picture of the Pope wearing like a Balenciaga like puff jacket. Oh yeah. I'm like, what is this? And I you know did some research, found out it was this thing called Midjourney. I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh it's, oh, it's in beta. It runs on Discord. It's an image generator. I'm like, that's cool. Let me go give this a shot. As soon as I downloaded it, 15 minutes later, I'm like, give me the full subscription. Yeah. I'd, here it goes. So that was, that was pretty much the intro to it. And then from there, it was just, I'm one of those people that like, if I try new tech, I just want to push it. I just want to see what I can do with it. Where does it break? Yeah. Let's like, let me see where the, let me see where the rough edges are. Yeah. So I noticed to stay away from it, not rely on it for certain things. So with that one, I was just like, okay, cool. This is great. I can create my futuristic looking living room and a car with wings. But I'm like, can I make pictures of people? Can mm-hmm. I make it look real? That's where the rabbit hole started of, let me see if I can actually make this people look real. How do I get someone to look real? So it's like reverse engineering the process. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what could they possibly have trained these models on? What is it? Is it photography? Is it, what did, where do they get these images? It's probably photography, right? Yep. If you think about majority of it. So what would be listed in photographs? I was like, let me go to the photographs, to like to some sort of stock image site. Let me see what they list. And then I started to look up the, the information. And a lot of the times it was the camera information, the artist or the photographer, things like that. Well, let me just try this before pumping out like photorealistic stuff. I'm like, whoa, this is big. Yeah. So immediately, I think at that point, I was like, I have to figure out how to use this in the business now. Like yeah. right now, because this is going to become, if it becomes too knowledgeable at that moment, like it won't be, it won't be novel anymore. Mm-hmm. If people start to realize they can do this, like our competitive edge is going to be gone. So let's just push the boundaries, see what we can do here. Yeah. So it was like one of those things where naturally we had problems in our business that were occurring. We were an agency, like everything, the same problems that every agency faces, too much work, heavy client expectations. Same thing, revisions to infinity and beyond. Yeah. So it was, again, everything is tied down in how much production you can get out of your team and how much you can actually output that's going to really push the needle. And I saw that as a tool that could help, especially on the creative side, which if anyone's worked in the creative industry, you know how long it takes to make oh, something yeah. creative. And specifically for anyone you know that is curious, it was email marketing was really like the intro to this because email marketing... It's very labor centric. Mm-hmm. If most don't know, like it, it is, you're probably sending anywhere from 10 to 12 campaigns a month for a brand of a modest size. And not to mention some other types of automations and flows that you would put in to the mix. So there's a lot of creative that needs to get done, but 
again, working as a designer in a previous life, I know that if you go and create a full email and you design it, you put the copy in, you lay, lay everything out, one revision comes back, you want to change the copy, that has to change the whole design. Now that one little seemingly insignificant Ugh, change yeah. turns into five hours of work for our designer, yeah. that backs up. And that's really where the whole thing starts to, to count. And hopefully the client will approve, but yeah. they might not. No, and then it happens Back again. to the drawing board. No. Again, and again. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it was, again, here's something that might be able to help. And it was like, let's try it out. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. That's where the whole rabbit hole started. Mm-hmm. And it was just one piece. It was like, oh, we need assets because a lot of our clients don't have really great assets. Right. And they don't have a lot of volume of assets. So we're trying to send a message on something about Thanksgiving and we don't have anything that works around Thanksgiving. You don't have a layered composition shot of a product photography with turkeys and cornucopias right. it's hanging around. Yeah. It's our designer, go take these PNG files, layer them into some epic background and try to put it in an email that's gonna be seen for eight to 12 hours, right? That's it. So a lot of work to get that little boost, which again, monetarily, we're gonna make a lot of money on that email, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like that's just unnecessary. Yeah. So if this was something that we could inject, bang, that takes five hours off the designer's plate. Maybe they're really good with 45 minutes to an hour. But you know, think about that compounding at scale over time. That's, Adds up. That's where like my head started to explode. Yeah. That's where the whole like, wait, <laughs> this can be impactful. This can be powerful. Yeah. Um, the impetus was to really get things, push the gas pedal mm-hmm. and see really how far we could take it. Yeah. We had our little window before everyone else adopted it. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the other immediate use cases? Like with designers, obviously stock photography is a thing of the past. You don't need to endlessly Never. search for the perfect stock photography, then spend $700 on a single image. But what are there some of the other immediate use cases for brands, for clients, for agencies? Content marketing, straight up. Like it aligned, it made sense. Because I started creating content on LinkedIn to get email clients. Yep. But what my evolution was there was I hated going to the stock photography sites because I could never find a cover for my carousels that looked attractive enough to me. That or your brand, your aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Spent more time looking for that than it did to actually write the content. And then I'm perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. I really want it to look good because I know that cover is what's going to stop the scroll. Mm-hmm. So everyone else is writing text posts. There's at that time, everyone else was writing text posts or they had, you know, their little selfies or their images up there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start to throw up some wild covers. I'm going to throw up like a a neon robot short circuiting because that's not the thing that you see on LinkedIn. And -hmm. then when people scroll by, they're like, what is this? I'm scrappy. I'm trying to build an audience. Super smart. Because I feel like I'll scroll on LinkedIn and two thirds of it is people at like the ad tech luncheon. Yeah. You know, with their colleagues, the lighting is terrible. They're all wearing their badges. And it's like, does anybody really care? But yeah, and you have like some really badass looking images of people with face tattoos and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All I wanted you to do was to think twice about it. Right. Yeah. So that's where when I figured I was still just spending too many hours on Pexels and whatever other sites I was on. And this thing came out. I'm like, let's just give it a whirl. Let's throw it on the covers. And immediately people would just be like, I get in the comment section, like these are the craziest covers on LinkedIn. I'm like, good. That's what I was going for. Yeah. But also I get the feedback loop. Right, like I'd also get the feedback loop from talking about Midjourney because I mm-hmm. started then, okay, people ask, what is, how are you creating these? Where are you finding these? What stock image site? I'm like, I'm making them. Like where? Midjourney. What is that? Mm. Oh, here we go. So people don't know. Let me do a piece of content about it. That's how the piece of content came out. Oh, interesting. Went That's viral. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is 
there is some thirst here for this, but the same thing is just like content marketing is just massive. Think about all the content you have to produce on a daily basis for any given brand, any given business. If you can make it your own, if you can make it sexier, if you can make it more polished Mm -hmm. without having to go out, I'm not saying don't hire photographers, don't hire designers. Oftentimes those two people are the most equipped to use this kind of tool. Yeah. And I think about brand photography when I used to do more work with brands directly. There was always that time when it was, all right, we have to hire the photographer. Take, it would take forever to hire the photographer. You have to find the right photographer. You have to find a date. Mm-hmm. You have to go there. You have to monitor the photo shoot. Then after that, whenever you get the photos back, if you don't like them, you got to go redo them. And oftentimes, it's not the photographer's fault. It's your fault. It's the input you know, every time. It's your fault that you didn't give them the right direction. You didn't tell them exactly what you wanted, or you didn't pick the right photographer. So mm-hmm. even something like this, simple, some simple use case, right? Oh, let me generate some images on mid-journey in five seconds. Send it to the photographer. This is how I want it to look. Yeah. Done it with a lot of things like that, presentations, or, I'm, I, or I think of going back to my life in the license, the product licensing industry. It's where I started my career. Mm-hmm. Weird niche industry to start in. But thinking about taking brand collaborations and putting them together, that was essentially my job. I was doing that on Photoshop. I was trying to put like a LeBron James photo on the Pepsi can and put it all together and make a presentation. It mm-hmm. didn't make any sense. Yeah. Now I could do that in two seconds. I could envision a Girl Scout cookie and an ice cream sundae together and let's do a partnership between Dairy Queen and Girl Scout cookies, the Girl yep. Scouts of America. I could make that presentation rock and communicate my vision with this so much right now versus what I would have to write and come yeah. up with back then. And oh the God. rapid prototyping element oh is God. going to enable so many new collaborations and so much work to get done so much quicker. Yeah. I think we're going to move it, like marketing anyway, is going to move at light speed in the next year or so. Once it, they really take hold of AI and everything that it's capable of. Because decisions are going to be able to be made like that. Oh, this is how you want it to look? Okay, that looks great. Or let's change the lighting and then, okay, how about this? <laughs> Instead of two weeks later, the designers have to go back to the drawing board. It's going to enable just things to work to be created at rapid speed, which is exciting. The other thing that's interesting too now is the other tools that are coming out like almost in conjunction hmm. with these tools that are supplemental. So I think about it as I'm an agency. Yeah. Let's just say that we're in this phase of revisions and everything is just, you have a bad client, revisions, you're getting input from the legal team, the CFO who might not have, let's just say the, the best design eye, or it's putting it kindly. Yeah. Let's just say that's where the <laughs> that's where the decisions are being marked down from. Right, they right. think there's certain elements that should be placed in a design somewhere. And they're obviously not the experts. They're just going on their subjective opinion. There's tools now that are visual heat mapping with AI. So you can submit a design and it'll give you feedback based on what the design looks like, where the buttons are placed, how the copy looks, what the image, where someone's eyes would go on an image. Mm. And basically mm-hmm. you can eliminate that. So no more subjectivity in and you're basically your creative you just get path. feedback immediately real feedback is like, it through a chat gpt or, or some sort of uh, llm it's called neurons it's a good one because again something like that especially for someone who's in ui ux or developing an app or you're sending out email marketing campaigns for example where to yep. put the call to action where to put it does center justified look better versus right justified or left oh, wow. justified so something as simple as that where you can eliminate that point of contention yep so where it's, I think it looks better this way. The tool says this, and we can either go with the tool data or we can go with what it is. Now, I'm not yeah. saying the thing that good, the good artists out there, right? They, they don't follow the rules. Yeah. So again, 
the data to me is going to be used as a point for just getting through communication quicker and just getting more things done like yeah. that. And like, it's like that notion of knowing the rules so you can properly break the rules, which, mm-hmm. you know, all the real artists do know. I think yeah. this will be a tool for artists for sure. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. What started me was I joined a Facebook group months and months ago that just started. People were just posting their AI art. Uh-huh. Somebody came up with all these just gorgeously rendered images of Ghostbuster movies that never came out. <laughs> and they were phenomenal. That. Like the ghosts looked like they came from the first movie. It was some new characters. I think there was one. I don't know if you saw the new Ghostbuster trailer. It's like New York gets iced over. It's about like deep freeze that occurs in New York. I think somebody had one of those months ago of a rendered Ghostbuster world that was completely frozen. I don't know if they were inspired by it or what, but that's the new Ghostbusters it's wild. movie. But yeah, yeah. It's crazy. You also go on, you go on Twitter, you go on LinkedIn, you see some people that are really damn talented. Mm-hmm. And this is another weird point to go off on a little side rant. Please. Like, I'm a failed designer. I wasn't great. I did it. I was decent. I wasn't good. I couldn't make a living off of it. But I like being creative. Yeah. And I like having an outlet. Now, Midjourney comes around and I do have one. Because everyone's saying it's going to take designer jobs away. It's going to take this away. Like Naturally, like I said before, I think it gives those people a leg up when it comes to prompting and, and designing. Their like, output can be just yeah. 100x. I've been using this, the same analogy for a while now. It's, if I walked up to someone on the street and gave them a NASCAR race car and it said, get on the track and win the Daytona 500, are they going to beat a professional driver in the same type of car? No. Mm-hmm. Like they just The playing field has been leveled, but still skill will prevail the cream will rise to the top yeah but regardless you have tools like chat gpt it's not just a there is business use cases but it also is for like personal usage as well maybe you want to be a writer you just don't have time or you're mm-hmm. not going to be good enough to, to actually get a book deal now you can actually organize your thoughts you can come up with this you can inject your own creativity give yourself a structure now you know how to write a book yeah it's these tools just are amplifying our creativity by getting rid of so much of the admin and not just the admin work, but some of the grunt work. 100%. I know there's a huge concern, as there should be, about jobs being eliminated mm-hmm. or replaced. But in a lot of cases, I was talking to somebody about like copy editors, for, or proofreaders, rather. Some people whose entire job is proofreading. Nobody likes doing that. No. Proofreaders are typically people who want to be writers, but it's like their first job. So they'll be able to do it at rapid speed, so now they can focus on actually writing. 100%. Same thing with a lot of designers. Like I, per, My theory is that... In this age of day of AI, there's going to be a premium on handmade human art. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to go up because I think it's just knowing that something came from the skills and hand and mind of an actual human. I think there's going to be a premium on it. Just the big parallel I pull is there was practical effects, mm-hmm. practical in movies. It was like you would build monsters and build sets and do real car crashes. And then everything became CGI. And now everybody wants just... They want the practically done stuff now. That's why I like the new Star Wars movies. J.J. Abrams said we're going to do everything practically. Guillermo del Toro builds as many creatures as possible. And they're now people just have this CGI fatigue. Eventually, there'll be AI fatigue. And people will want human-made stuff. But going back to artists, I think there's a ton of designers who like paint on the weekends. Yeah. And their design work that they're doing for a client in Photoshop, it'll enable artists to do the art that's their zone of genius, as opposed to typography that aligns with whatever Fortune 500 brand that takes uh, 500 iterations and all of this time. I think the artists can leverage this in a way that's very beneficial for them, ultimately. I've seen a lot of pushback, right? Like, naturally, 
I've taken a lot of arrows and a lot of grenades in the trenches posting about this stuff, telling me I'm taking away jobs and I'm doing things like this. Look, like who didn't want to use Photoshop when it came out? That obviously took away some job. I'm not trying to say that AI is Photoshop, but at the same time, like as a designer, I hated removing backgrounds. Oh yeah, I I hate it. Now you can do it with one click. Mm -hmm. Does anyone care? No. Because it, it helps you. It makes you better. It makes you faster. It takes away the annoying stuff. Yeah. Even from a designer standpoint, I have a very, I think I have a very contrasting opinion on where this is going to go. And it actually sounded just like what you just said, which is that all of this AI fatigue is going to lead to the cream rising to the top again. And real art is going to be 100%. at a premium be- yeah. because this stuff, like even me, I use this tool every day. When I started, it was like, I like this polish. I like how clean this is. I like how good this looks. Now my whole goal... <laughs> on mid journeys to get everything to not look AI. Yeah. So I'm like, I look real. Yeah. I'm trying to tell the robots not to look AI. So Mm. I'm trying to break down into older film structures. I'm looking at different compositions to try and make everything look super natural. So I've came up with a couple of prompt structures and formulas that get it down to looking like maybe it's like nineties, New York from that. And it's to me, it's like my favorite stuff because it looks like real people. They, people are overweight. People are not perfect. They're not completely symmetrical. Now it looks real. Now that's what I want to do. Mm. Everyone else, it's like the wave, right? I'm just trying to stay away from what everyone else is doing consistently, right? right? Same thing with the covers. So everyone got on the wave a little late. They started making all the cool futuristic stuff. I'm like, let me go realistic. Now everyone's figuring out how to make everything look perfect and super clean. I'm like, let me make things look ugly. It's that's kind yeah, of how, yeah. You right. Do something different. Yeah. Because yeah. some of the images that are rendered, they are more real than real. Yeah. There's that hyper realism that does not look realistic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's not uncanny valley. It's like beyond uncanny valley. It's weird. Yeah. It makes you uncomfortable. It looks super real, but it's too real. It's more real than real. It's too polished. But they don't look eerie. It's not like that uncanny valley feeling you get in certain video games and like polar express and Uh stuff it's just it's hyper real it almost feels futuristic but i think the biggest premium is going to be on taste i think people are going to need to uh, artists in particular are going to need to have way better taste because there's going to be an oversaturation of content left right and center not just visual content but with chat gpt way more email marketing lists are going to be out way more tweets way more books way more everything but again i think cream will rise to the top but my prediction is that standards will be so much higher because oh, yeah. you'll need to beat AI. Your screenplay will need to be better than anything AI has ever come up with or whatever image you come up with. It's all going to be about taste. And I think it's going to cause, it's going to force everybody to level up. 100%. What are some of the ethics you think agencies and marketers should be cognizant of when it comes to AI in general? Totally. This was something that was, I had to dive into early on if we were going to do this. So I had to really figure out where those blind spots were yeah. and where we were being exposed. Understanding that mid-journey for itself as a tool, there are other tools that you can focus on that do not have the same issue, but at the same time, mid-journey does, but it's the most user-friendly to get really quality images, right? Mm-hmm. So that one in specific, I was like, what is the what does the training data look like? How can we be, how can we be exposed here? And really it was just, let me figure out how close I can get to an actual image. So this is what, if if we had a visual here, I'd show you, but essentially what I did, I don't know if you remember the photo from the 80s, I think it was. There was a National Geographic cover, and it was a- Oh, the Iranian young girl with the blue eyes. Yep. Yes. I took that, and I looked up the photographer, I looked up the year, I looked up the camera equipment, I looked up what the name of the photo was, 
And then I added some of my own prompt elements into it mm -hmm. and I generated it and it came out exactly the same to a T. Ooh. Same position, head position, eye position, even something as small as there was a, she had a red, like a, a red attire on and there was like a green dash or a green okay. spot on something on her clothes. That even came up super small. I'm like, okay, so this can really happen. Like we can actually <laughs> generate copyright, something yeah. and it can just come out exactly the same. Whoa. So, that's when it was like initially, let's do reverse image search on anything we're putting out. Anything that we think is considerably questionable for mm -hmm. using a picture of a face, if we're using a picture of some sort of product that we generated. Previous life as a designer, mm -hmm. I had encountered some of that where there was lawyers just reverse image searching their clients' photography and just finding different agencies and going and suing them. So yeah, it's like somebody's full-time job. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, that's the playing field. That's why... I was like, anything we're putting out, we're reverse image searching. Mm -hmm. If it's even questionable, absolutely not. We can generate it a million times. How do you do that? Just through the Google reverse image search? Or There's is that a better one. tool? There's, I use one called DupliChecker. It can okay. go across multiple It can go across multiple search engines. But it's really, again, it, we just want to make sure we're not even close. Like mm -hmm. If something's remotely close, it's just no, because you can hit variations on that same picture like 30 times and make it look not even remotely the same as it did four to five regenerations. So that one in specific... Then really like having understanding of the mid-journey terms and conditions. I'm not a lawyer, but I had legal teams look at it and I asked the clients to be comfortable with it. And I basically told them, look, this is a gonna be glorified stock photography. This is how you look at it. It's not, you're not gonna be able to take this and copyright it. It's not currently copyrightable. The only thing that is, is if you go and edit that photo completely, if you edit mm -hmm. any portion of it, that part of the photo will be copyrightable, but not the rest of it. They had to understand that this is now free use whatever goes out there. So that's why we're not going really crazy yeah. on using certain brand imagery and assets within, within, within the tool. Because your photos are basically in the public domain. Correct. You can use them, but so can everybody else. So can everybody else. Yeah. So that's the other thing to be cognizant of with this. But at the end of the day, when I frame it as stock photography, it makes more sense because that's what it is. Where do you think we go from here in terms of video? Like I've played with runways video generator it's not bad mm. for what it is i asked it to create a pixar style video of a goofy looking corgi walking down the streets in new york city it wasn't bad no. it was not bad but i feel like a year from now i will be able to create my own feature-length pixar movie with characters and i can say i want kevin hart voicing the corgi and it'll come up with it and i'll be able to watch it there'll be story arcs and character arcs and i don't know may or may not cry I'm not sure. Where, where do you think we're going when it comes to video? This was something that I was testing the waters with and I knew from the moment that I was gonna put it out there that I was gonna get blasted. I was okay. gonna get roasted. I did a mock Nike ad on Runway about in July. Oh wow. So I generated the whole thing with AI. So I did everything from building the script with ChatGPT to getting the voiceover with, I think it was 11 Labs, doing the music itself with SoundRaw, then I generated the images in mid-journey, and then I had runway doctor the images into yeah. uh, video, put it all together, threw it out there. I'm like, there's going to be people that love this, and I am going to get murdered in the comment <laughs> section. And yeah. it was exactly how it's exactly how it went. It was super polarizing, but I think my whole message during that wasn't, look at what I did. I was like, look at what can be done now. I feel like there's an enormous wave coming and yeah. people can push back on it or people can start crafting their own surfboards, so to speak. And I feel like to show people where things are going, I don't understand why there'd be a lot of animosity. I guess they're making the point that you're perpetuating this new 
trend, but you're not. You're just showing that here's what's coming, guys. Here's, here's where things are going. And we it's all have easy. to prepare. And it's not even good yet. I think that's massive. Pika's coming up too. Oh yeah, Pika Labs. Midjourney's going to release their Ooh. their video platform, which I think will be a yeah, massive change. Blow them all out of the water. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Now, I was speculating the other day on a podcast with uh, my buddy Drew. He's the one that brought this into my thought process. They're going to go into 3D too in Midjourney as well. You could generate something. Let's just say you generated someone in New York, and you could go into the image. So mm-hmm. now instead of looking at someone in the front, you can rotate the camera. Yeah. 80, 90 degrees, and you're looking at them from a different perspective. I'm like, that is for businesses. If they're going to use it, that's going to be super useful. The runway stuff is super interesting, though, to me, because it's it came so quick, and it got good so quick, where yeah. as mid-journey took a while. Like, mid-journey took, mm. it seems like, a year right. to really dial in. And what same thing with Pika out of nowhere. Yeah. They just, I'm just seeing stuff. I'm like, this looks real. Now... This goes back to my own personal, my personal branding piece. Like people, if people are able to create their own films, like they can monetize themselves. Yeah, I've been reached out to by a few different businesses that are starting essentially the Netflix for AI films. Oh wow! So they're starting to produce that. I think this is where a lot of that that writer strike in Hollywood. Maybe mm-hmm. this is a lot of under the radar oh, stuff sure. that was being discussed. Yeah, it's not big, just the writers. Big fear. It's not just the writers. It's the actors, too. If Robert De Niro, God forbid, passes away, we can sell Robert De Niro movies. Even the studios. Yeah. If people no longer rely on them to create films and to get distribution, like, what are the what is the point? What's the point of them, yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't... It's like the same thing that happened with the music industry and the record labels. But then the part of me thinks, all right, if I saw... If AI could generate a Tarantino movie that never came out, yeah. what, I would be interested to see what it was. But something just wouldn't connect. Because uh-huh. I like knowing that this came from the mind of this very specific individual. Uh-huh. But then I look at... And I, I don't know if there's a real connection here, but I look at, like, the AI-generated photographs that we can now use as stock photography, and they're not real people. And I'm like, doesn't that just doesn't really seem to matter. But with a movie, I feel like it would. I wanna see what Tarantino thinks. I wanna see what Scorsese thinks, what he was able to do with mm-hmm. his own two hands. I don't know where we go from here as far as movies. But you're, like, here's, a, here's a question though. You're, mm-hmm. You just referenced Tarantino and Scorsese. Right. They're, you're following them because it's their movie. Would you go see a Scorsese movie maybe if it wasn't didn't have his name attached to it? You know what I mean? If it was like The Irishman, but it wasn't from Scorsese. It was someone totally random you never heard of. Would you yeah. be as inclined to I go see that? I wouldn't be as excited. That's what I, I mean. Yeah. So it's like that whole prospect of, even if it doesn't start with realistic looking stuff, you think of anime, you think of animation, things right. like that. People are going to be able to build their own natural followings that way from people who have the niche industries and all of this. The more I dive into it, the crazier it gets. How niche everything is and how much demand there is for certain little things that you have no idea. This is, to me, just I saw it happening when the guy asked me if I would be interested in creating films for the platform. I'm like, I wish I had time to do this. But it's you can see where it's going. And then it's who's the audience that has the demand then? Is the younger generation going to be more interested in these quick, fast, and dirty AI stories? Because they're not two hours long. Right. They're 20 minutes, maybe, tops. And is that where the market moves? Because then you'll see the mass adoption. So hmm. I, it's a weird time. I'm very confused by it because I yeah. love the movies. I love it. It's going to call a lot into question in terms yeah. of art and storytelling and what we as humans want. 
because that's already been called into a lot of question with mm. tick with the rise of TikTok and everybody's attention span is dwindling and all of that. Yeah, it's going to be what do people look for in art, in movies? It, do they want something that's created by a human? Do they want that sense of empathy of connecting to the creator behind it? Or is it okay if it's essentially automated? I don't know where ChatGPT goes specifically. I think they're just going to keep like piling different services in there. And it mm -hmm. feels like it could almost run a business autonomously. Feels yeah. that way. Feels like that. Yeah. Uh, there's some other some other products that seem like they could do it as well, especially with these automated agents. If you want to go run a an affiliate marketing type play, and if you had something sourcing information from all over the internet, aggregating it into ChatGPT, having it synthesize it, post it on the website for you, out getting affiliate relations going, you basically just generate 30 to 40 blog articles a day from a completely automated standpoint, build that thing up, and then you have just inbound traffic coming on a setup you set the system up and if you're taking affiliate commissions off wherever you're sending people to redirecting them from your blog and backlinks the stuff like makes me nuts i'm like how is this possible mm -hmm. and i'm sure people already built it i hope it yeah it's it. like auto gpt yeah. basically yeah. is what you described yeah i haven't had a lot of luck with i tried to mess with god mode and some of the other ones they just don't work for yeah. me or maybe i'm just not coding them properly i don't know there's yeah. some cool stuff. It's the other thing is that there's so many people working in the background that'll never tell you what they're doing. Mm -hmm. and they're probably making millions already. Oh yeah, for sure. Stuff. It's not. It's, yeah, people <laughs> yeah. are gonna make their money. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like Bitcoin basically. Yeah, yeah, or crypto in general. Like the the big players are gonna make their money, or the kind of first mover advantages are gonna be made, and then the rest of us will catch on when it's too late. Exactly. Yeah. When all the money's been made. <laughs> or listen to this podcast and you'll be able to be one of the few lucky ones who gets in early. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> What are, so for you, what do you get excited about? Like, why are you excited about these tools? Because I know I just wanted a creative outlet to begin with. Yeah. But why are you excited about something like ChatGPT or a mid-journey? I think I'm excited at the, I mean, I go back to the, the notion of zone of genius. I feel like a lot of people are, especially in New York, working really hard, really long, don't have as much time for the things that matter to them, whether it's an artistic venture or time with friends, time with family or whatever. I think this is going to take so much work off of people's plates, accelerate the progress of a lot of organizations. And I do think there's enormous humanitarian benefits that will occur. And I think a lot of people think the opposite. I think it'll take a lot of grunt work off of people's plates on a global scale to the point where we can start fixing the real issues of this country or not just this country, but just the world, like environmental issues. There'll be this abundance of time and focus and people will be able to say, oh, wait a minute, how do we help our planet? How do we fix international relations or homelessness or whatever the case may be? I think it'll alleviate a lot of attention and be able to create solutions that mm. people wouldn't have found. I think that there's definitely a lot of potential medicine opportunities. I think that I think they already came up with some new vaccine that humans never would have come up with. Just by looking at medical and cellular data, they were able to make cross-references and connections across vast amounts of medical data that like, no doctor or no human has the capability to pour over and find these connections. I think it'll ultimately make us better as a species. I think so. I hope so, anyway. I think so. Yeah. There's always the case of where it does turn to Terminator. There's always that probability, <laughs> yeah. right? It's a possibility. I don't know what the probability level is, but there is a, there is a possibility. But it's really, it's to me so interesting that we just have the ability to get rid of, it's weird that we built robots 
to do robot tasks. Like the tasks that we all feel just destroy us inside, mm-hmm. filling out spreadsheets and oh, things yeah. like that and synthesizing data, writing formulas. Maybe some people like it. Some I, people know, like it. Me personally, as a some pseudo creative, whatever you want to call me, I, that stuff kills me. Yeah, so I hate it. You know, just doing repetitive tasks over and over again, it kills me. So that the fact that we've done that, and I think will open up different levels of, I think we're going to see a lot more advancement in a lot of technological spaces outside of AI. Mm-hmm. I think because we are able to utilize AI for some of these baseline things that take time out of people's days, we'll be able to be more creative with what we can do with their assistance. Yeah. So I'm feeling like there's going to be like one of those jumps, like when we got the internet, yeah. like how everything just went from, we don't have, everything's not connected worldwide. Now everything is connected. Now we have social media. Now everything blows up and we go through this spike. Yeah. I have a feeling that's coming. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the big one as far as that for me is going to be education. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I learned differently than most kids. And most teachers have their individual way of teaching. There's some amazing teachers that can adapt their teaching style to different learning styles. And I love those teachers. There's some that don't and very specifically refuse to. And if you don't learn the way they teach, let's put you on Ritalin or yeah. you're a bad kid or whatever the case may be. But I think for even children who are living horrifically below the poverty line, who don't have access to education, the idea of conversational search and having an AI that can actually work with you on a conversational level, understand and internalize what you know, what you don't know, how you learn, how you process information, and then be able to teach you accordingly Mm -hmm. in the absence of having a physical teacher there. Obviously, that's the ideal, but I think you, you start handing out laptops or even phones to kids all over the world. Obviously, they would need some sort of internet connection, but I think that those implications are huge. Massive. Yeah. Massive. And I think if the world gets more educated and understands more about the nature of humanity, consciousness, whatever the case may be, the, the only trajectory is up the more people get educated. Have you talked to any teachers? I was talking to a friend's wife who's a teacher, and she said, yeah, there was one day where... All of my students suddenly were writing A papers, and I was wondering, what the hell's going on? I thought I was in the fucking Twilight Zone. And then her husband said, yeah, there's this thing called ChatGPT, and she looked at it and was totally appalled. Now, I'm in an interesting position with having a LinkedIn audience. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk to me. I'm always open for a conversation. I'm just naturally curious about everything that's going on. So a lot of teachers reach out to me. There's ones that have asked for help with how to conceptualize how this is moving, Hmm. but also have told me what they're doing with AI. And I'm like, this is cool. There's one AP history teacher. He's, he was on this a while back and I thought this was the coolest thing. So essentially, instead of having someone go and read a textbook about Benjamin Franklin yep. and then write a paper, which I don't know if you've ever wrote a, written a paper on Benjamin Franklin, I don't remember anything from that. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned about him after the fact, not yeah, that when was I was me. six. So he had them basically teach Chad GPT how to act as Benjamin Franklin. Oh, that's cool. And then they, he had them interview him. So they interviewed Benjamin Franklin, each kid, and then they had to write a newspaper article. Like, oh, in so the, cool. Right? And I'm like, that's taking the tools. You're still learning because you have to ask him the questions. He's responding. Right. More digestible. 100%. Right? You think about it's that. experiential, too. Yeah. Yeah. And as a kid, I'm way more amped about that than go write a paper. You know something like this. To me, that... Makes a kid learn. It's like taking over like a wave mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. So if we're not training a new generation on it, how are they going to pick up the baton and run? Yeah. They, we have to use the tools. Like they ha- the things that are available to us, like why not use this revolutionary thing? It's like the same thing as when 
to me when all everyone was i'm not going to use social media i'm not going to use social okay. media i'm better than this like i'm better than <laughs> yeah. facebook i'm better than instagram so all, all the people that got on it early did it learned it understood it it's a marketing skill yeah I'm not a Star, a Star Trek fan, but resistance is futile. Yeah. I don't understand why people resist. I understand if you don't like it, and there's definitely ethical arguments to be made, but to resist it, like you are shooting yourself in the foot. You're going to be in a horse and buggy, and everybody's going to be speeding by you in like a Maserati or like a hovercraft. I don't know. Feels like a motorcycle in traffic. Yeah. Right? That's just, oh, man, it's, I wish that there was more perspective in this a lot of yeah. times. I think a lot of it is just, is just immediate reaction to the new tool bad, like old way, good. Yeah. Keep old way. So it's it's tough because I think there's trying, especially as a communicator, right? That's I'm trying to communicate this in my content, in presentations mm -hmm. that I give when I go on stage, whatnot, that this isn't like replace, we're not replacing people. Like yeah. it's been here, it's here to help us. And with that being said, like how can you take that to the next level to make yourself better Yeah, with it? not get rid of people that's the last thing we want yeah want people to, to not hate going to their job that's my whole it's ethos. a good future right it's a really good future to yeah. aspire to yeah and i think neil patel what is his framework eeat mm -hmm. any content you make through chat gbt or whatever should have these things eeat is experience expertise authority and trust mm -hmm. put yourself in everything that chat GPT or whatever your your natural language processor makes. It's because everything it's training on has already been done. Mm -hmm. So you're not gonna come up with any new stuff just asking chat GPT to write content for you. You have to inject yourself into it. But I think using it as a tool, like you said, for people to perpetuate their own expertise, who they are, their work, in ways that are quicker and faster, it's gonna allow for a lot more people to essentially be seen and express themselves and get work out there and we'll ultimately be able to understand ourselves and each other way better. I love it. I love ChatGPT for being able to understand me too, yeah. which again, just comes from writing content. I have a lot of data on myself, how I write, yeah. how I sound, my, my mannerisms, things like that. Running that through there and having it write stuff for me now, it comes out like me because I have a lot of data and I can mm -hmm. feed it and I can train it. In one of my other roles, I work with a lot of boutique fitness studios. Oh, right? cool. The, the company that I work for, we have we're a consulting firm for boutique fitness studios. So we help basically yoga, bar, Pilates studios essentially manage their business more effectively to be yeah. profitable. So for me, this tool like that for them, they often run their business at such thin margins that they're not taking home a big paycheck. They're doing it because they really like what they're right. doing. They right. like helping people. So something like this can come in. They're never going to hire a copywriter. They're never going to hire a designer. They don't have someone to do social media for them. They're the CEO, the CFO, the janitor, yeah. the therapist, they're everything. So <laughs> Suddenly. Like giving them something like this to actually help, mm -hmm. it's for $20 a month. And you know, a lot of them will be like, it's $20 a month. I'm like, it's, you know, Yo, it's the greatest deal out there. That's what I'm saying. It's insane. I'm like, come on. It's a team of people, basically. <laughs> it feels like you have a team of people. $240 a year for, can you get, what does one client membership cost? $100 a month? You sign them to a three to six month deal? You made three X ROI off a whole year. You can't push back on $20 you know I mean? a month for what it does. Because it can become your HR manager. You can type in, hey, I'm having this problem with this employee. What should I do? And it'll give you pretty sound advice. Yeah. Not, it's not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer either. You shouldn't <laughs> necessarily, you should consult an attorney. But yeah, I can do so much. It's even from those simple tasks, right? Like I, I even talk about looking at 
certain numbers, right? Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to go tell them to go put their whole numbers in there. But if you want to analyze some data, maybe you have some social analytics. Yeah. And then the social analytics tools are very baseline. They don't have a lot of information. You can run it through there. Be like, pick out some intricacies in the data. Tell me how you would attack this problem. Yeah. Which I like using it for strategy the most, like ChatGPT. I've candidly, openly used ChatGPT to strategize my entire content business. So my content on the back end that I sell like, I don't know how to operate an e-commerce store for content. Like, I have no idea. I know how to do it for a product or a brand. Yeah. I don't know how to do it for myself, for my own content. I feed it a bunch of data. What's happening in the sales, my audience, the conversion rates, all these different things. And it spits out basically a, an operating structure for me based on my data and what I can do to leverage that. Right. Then from there, I take it and put it into play. Not all of it, but 70% of it. Mm -hmm. Have it write certain things for me. Use it as a template. I get that done. So... Effectively, I would not have another like, revenue stream yeah. without this thing. And it's feeding me and it's doing well. And the things it says works. It raised my average order value from $4.77 to $13 in a week. Whoa. Yeah. Overall, got like 20,000 downloads to begin with. But it's like it raised it that much that quickly. Whoa. Recognizing the data. And then my LTV jumped from $14 to 37 Guys, these aren't really big numbers here. I'm sorry. But it's for me, that's just mind-blowing because yeah. I'm not doing that. That's the machine. That told me to do that. And I, having that thought partner, yeah. that I don't have to go pay for a consultant. And I don't hear enough people talking about using it as a essentially a, a collaborator. Yeah. Because I've talked to some people like, hey, have you tried ChatGPT? You need to be using this. Yeah, I tried it once. It didn't. It, I had to write a press release or an email. It did an okay job. It, you need to go back and forth with it. You need to say, you need to then give it feedback, have more of a tone like this or do that. But as a strategist, as a partner, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And you just, you need to treat it like a relationship in a way. Totally. Yeah. And that you can go back and forth. But yeah, it can templatize things in ways that we never could. But it takes a lot of input. It does. Yeah. Skill. Yeah. It takes skill. And yeah, the one, 100%. Thing, one thing I try to tell people that I'm teaching to whenever I do this on a, when I do some sort of training or whatever, yeah. my one piece of advice for ChatGBT is always at the end, I put it at the end of like almost every prompt. Just ask me questions. Because... Yeah, the interview prompt. Right? Like it's just at the, whatever prompt I'm writing, ask me questions because maybe I missed something because I've always found it to be very literal. Like whatever you say, it will do, but that means the user error is on you, yeah. not on it. So you didn't prompt it. You didn't get... The, you didn't word that right. You didn't tell it what to focus on. So it's asked me questions. What do you want to clear about? Bang. And it pops out all the things that I probably missed in my prompt that would make it much more detailed response. That's probably why people don't get what they want because they don't prompt it correctly. Yeah. It's like having a new employee, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I think the interview prompt exactly. structure is really smart. You say, ask me a ton of questions to get to know enough about whatever it is my customers, my audiences, so you can write my social content, my blog content. Then it comes up with the questions. You answer them. Now it knows you. Now it knows your business. Mm -hmm. And it's not... Un it, it turns over all of these stones and it's got what it needs, basically. Yeah. That's... Interview prompt. You use my favorite analogy of when I treat it like a junior employee, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, Take some onboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with mid-journey. Same thing with ChatGPT. Ambiguous direction is going to equal ambiguous output. Like yep. clear and direct direction is going to equal clear and direct output. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. So that is massive in all of this in terms of any AI tool. It's only as good as the direction it gets. 100%. Especially with ChatGPT. Like I... I love the tool so much. I, not because I sit here and utilize it all day, every day. It's just, I think of a problem and I'm like, what can I solve it with? And it's there. It's, oh, ChatGPT can do that. Yeah. It's everything, every single thing that comes up with it. I have a medical question. 
all right, source me medical articles, synthesize the data, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Bang. Done. Okay. Don't have to go read like WebMD, which is going to tell me that I'm either dying or yeah. rotting from the inside. <laughs> it, it can actually give me real time. And I'm like, run projections based on this. If I have this level of whatever in my blood, is this bad? Give me the concern level based on data analysis of this and that, whatever. Now I have, again, like my own Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Simple things that I'm just like, why am I asking ChatGPT about my health? What are some of your favorite like AI life hacks? Oh man, there's some good ones. Yeah, There's some real good ones. When I was going to Spain earlier this year, I was going to San Sebastian. So it's Pincho's culture and like a lot of small restaurants, a lot of small bites. It's so much research to do, especially when you're crazy busy. I like personally like researching a trip, like going into it, diving into the restaurants, bars, yeah. places I'm gonna go. Like I wanna know, map it out. And then when I'm there, it's comfortable. I don't have to think about it. So I, I created a, a walking tour based on food preference and different types of restaurants that we wanted. Oh, nice. So basically what I did was I went in there and I said, I basically outlined everything because I'm a Anthony Bourdain junkie. Oh, you and me both. Yeah, so I was like, let me basically set the Bourdain parameters here because that's yeah. what I'm looking for. I want this, I want, I want to be able to do it in this amount of time. I mm-hmm. want to walk by some sites while we do it. These are like recommend basically the 15 restaurants on the tour that we should hit a dish from each of them, a wine pairing for oh, each of awesome. them and whatever. And it spit out this whole thing. And this is before my wife understood chat GPT. She just thought mm-hmm. I was like playing around with crazy robots, which I am. Okay. But I was like, look at this whole list that it came out with. And I'm like, format it like a table. Like when back yeah. when that was like a big deal, yeah. <laughs> it was, and it came out. And I've copied it into a Notion doc and I'm walking around on in the middle of Spain with my robot tour guide and I show up and the things that it recommended were good. One restaurant was, I think Anthony Bourdain had gone there. Yep. Maybe a 20 square feet, if that, like very small, like mm-hmm. maybe the size of this conference room table. It's, that wow. doesn't help for anyone that's trying to visualize this, <laughs> but they walked in, there was only two tables and then the stand up bar. And they only had two things on the menu. It was steak and wine, and that was it. So they come Sign out. Me up. Yeah, they come out with your porterhouse. They, <laughs> they go grill it up. You stand up and eat it. But I was like, I don't know if I would have found that place. Right. It was just. It was super cool based on what it took in from my input to then give me exactly what I was looking for, which is so personal, mm-hmm. like a restaurant choice. I was like. I think I remember prompting it like, I like places that should have a Michelin star, but don't, that aren't pretentious, that are off the beaten path, like all of these different things. Don't really focus on making fancy food, focus yeah. on making comfy, home style, feel like you're actually part of someone's family kind of food. I put all that in there and it nailed it. And I was like, this is so weird. Whoa. I let a robot dictate my movements and it did a good job. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's having something that basically is like your curator, your curative assistant. It's pretty amazing. I also love looking through, I also love having it synthesize. This is, this sounds so nerdy. Go for like, it. Like product reviews on Amazon. If I'm looking at a product and I don't like trust everything, I, there's, I'm trying to remember the plugin where you can basically Oh, have, that's smart. That's cool. Like it just goes through it and I'm just like, pick out the commonalities in everyone's thing and everyone's reviews. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go and read the one stars and read the five stars, oh. especially if it's like clothes or shoes or something. I want to know if the shoes are fit tight or fit big. Like I don't mm-hmm. feel like ordering stuff and sending it back. So yeah. I just use it for things like that, which also can be used for marketing. If you want to take your competitor's reviews oh, yeah. all on Amazon, take that, synthesize it down figure out where the biggest pain points are, go talk to those pain points in your content. Yeah. That's a, it's a develop a product based on the white space or whatever. Yeah. 
advertise around it. It's it's all there. Yeah. It's crazy. We're going to get to the point, and I don't think it's that far off at all. I think within the next six months, we'll probably get to the point where there will be the AI assistant. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie Her, just yeah. don't fall in love with it. Yeah, that gets <laughs> to know you. And you'll say, hey, it's Friday night, and me and my wife are going out, and it knows what I like. It knows that my wife is pescatarian, and it knows that we like wine. I like steak where we live and it'll say, oh, you should go to this place and there's a table ready at this time period. And it'll be able to call the restaurant, although nobody makes phone calls anymore. (laughs) But it'll get to know you and it'll be able to really give you hyper curated, contextualized recommendations for stuff to buy, places to eat. And I think that's within spitting distance of where we are right now. And then it's gonna also monitor like Google data and see how packed the restaurant is for you too, so you know to go or not. You're like, I don't like loud places or whatever, yeah. The same way that we have all of our locations on our phone Mm-hmm. Ever, I'll never forget when I looked at Google and I was looking up a place and how packed it was ratio like yeah, on the that. percentages and I'm like how, how do they do work? that I, like, I don't know it's the your locations on oh, right so they're tracking you so if you're all in one place locations. that's at least how I conceptualize it yeah but think about the, how easy that is to tap into and they'd be like no that bar is full you can't go there there's no seats available right now because capacity listed on their site is 60 people by fire code and mm-hmm. there is technically right now 60 people based on Google data there I'm just going nuts with that. Yeah. But we're getting there. That's what I mean. It's like decision making could be off your plate. Mm-hmm. You could be free to create. It'll be amazing. That's exactly. What, just more like yeah. to the point of just get into that zone of genius, take all the bullshit off your plate. And I think AI will do that. It's, it's exciting. Super exciting. Little tiny bit scary. A little scary. A little bit. For sure. I, I saw this is the last, this is the last one that I'll go off track on, but I oh, saw please. one of those robot dogs, you know, like the Boston dynamics, like w- it walks on all fours. It was walking through Brooklyn. Like, weird. There was someone controlling it, I think. Okay. But it was walking through Brooklyn. This thing came up, and you see it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't register right away because it moves so smooth. And from there, it walked to the dog park, and like a hive mind, all the dogs turned, went right to the fence, and started going nuts. They were like, this is not normal. like this. This is what I was... Uncanny Valley. First time. First time I got like... Was it chrome, or did it have... like yellow. It was yellow. Just like those, oh. the like Boston Dynamics, like it moves like very smooth and yeah, like those things those. that do like the flips and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a little alarming. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to use Mid Journey now. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to where it's safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> create my robot art there. So where should people look for you and your work nowadays? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. If yep. anyone is interested in chatting, first and foremost, I'm always open to conversation. So Rory Flynn on LinkedIn, the company that we're going to be launching in a couple weeks, in the infancy stages of it right now, it's called Systematic AI. We're getting that up and running. We do have a newsletter if anyone really wants to dive into some stuff like this. We go pretty deep on it every once in a while. So that's going to be coming up. And then also on a, I have a page for my content on Gumroad. So that's also listed. Everything is listed on my LinkedIn from there. Hopefully there'll be some other stuff coming out. I've got some couple presentations. Hopefully I can share with everyone. Maybe Sweet. we can do this again sometime. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. This was a lot of fun. Lots yeah. to look forward to in the world of AI. Yeah, man. Really good. Appreciate you having me. This was way more fun and in depth than I thought I awesome. you know, was going to go. So good to hear cool, it. Very Sweet. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you as always for listening to Brand Bonds. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button today so you never miss an episode. Want to learn more about AI and share actionable strategies with other AI marketers? Join the BrandBots LinkedIn group, a dedicated space for marketers to collaborate, learn, and trade strategies in the field of AI. Dive into vibrant discussions, get inspired by innovative approaches, and be part of a network that's shaping the future of AI in marketing. 
Don't miss out. Visit brandbotspodcast.com slash LinkedIn today and join. That's brandbotspodcast.com slash LinkedIn. I'll see you there.